1: So thrilled to have you on and have you with us. We've got an extraordinary show today. And the reason we always have little Rico here is that people love their dogs and cats, but they don't necessarily extend that circle of compassion to other beings who are just like our dogs and cats, like pigs and cows and chickens. And yet they would if they, um, if they, had an understanding of those animals or saw the conditions they're in. So right now we have two incredible activists along with a journalist activist, Danny Rukin, who's out of Portland here with me in LA. And we've got two Canadian activists. They are waging a campaign against a bill that would um, criminalize a lot of the protesting that's happening now in Canada. The, The vigils where people give water to pigs, who are destined for the slaughterhouse, and cows who are destined for the slaughterhouse, undercover investigations. It's a bill called 156, and it is essentially an ag-gag bill. So I would like to start out with Camille Labchuck. You are with Animal Justice in Canada. Tell us what the essence of this battle
2: is. Well, thanks Jane for having me on. This uh, bill 156 that's now proposed in Ontario is very, very disturbing. uh, the latest iteration of the U.S.-style egg gag laws that, of course, has been enacted in many states and struck down in several by the courts. Um, what what happened first, a couple of weeks ago, just backing up for a moment, is that another province in, in, in Canada called Alberta actually passed one of these egg gag bills in only 10 days from when it was first introduced to when it was passed and approved into law. And just a couple of days after that happened, we saw Ontario go down the same tragic, disturbing, chilling path so Bill 156 does a couple of things. First, it massively hikes up fines for trespassing onto farms. Um, strangely for many of your viewers and listeners, they're calling farms and slaughterhouses and any areas where animals are being used, animal protection zones. So the most 1984 Orwellian language you can possibly imagine. It's going to be a massive, massive fine to go into any of those zones, higher than you know trespass on schools or other sensitive areas. Uh, The second thing it does is it makes it so that you can't get consent beyond someone's property through so-called false pretenses. Now, anyone who's seeking a job in a facility because they might become a whistleblower, or someone who is just working in a facility and sees illegal or untoward animal cruelty, they could be caught up in that provision and potentially prosecuted. And then the third really disturbing thing it does is it would shut down a lot of phase movement activism where activists go outside of slaughterhouses where the trucks are bringing in pigs, chickens, cows, other animals to their deaths. And those activists have documented horrific conditions inside those trucks, violations of Canada's animal transport laws. And the bill says you can't approach those trucks, interact with the animals or stop the trucks. So that would shield a lot of cruelty from public view. And that's why people are so disturbed.
1: Now, Jenny, tell us about your involvement in this and what happened with you, because I understand that you were
3: arrested and charged. Tell us about that. Well, I've been arrested a few times just for going into these, you know, air quote, animal protection zones. Uh, And every time what I find is animals in, in just disgusting conditions with egregious abuses happening and terrible, terrible uh, cruelty that we can actually report. It's its actually very hard to report animal cruelty for farm animals. There's just a lack uh, and exemptions against anything that happens to farm animals generally uh, that Camille will be able to explain better. But yes, um, I was arrested um, last year um, and um, for going inside a pig breeding facility. And then just um, in the last couple of days, I've been arrested again for going into another pig breeding facility in Quebec and finding just an absolute horror story inside. Pigs living in in four inches of their own uh, feces. Just absolutely disgusting.
1: And by the way, we invite anybody from the animal agriculture industry on at any time to comment on any of this. We'd love to dialogue with them. So, Danny Rukin, uh, you've been involved. You're an activist and a journalist out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, What are the similarities between this and the ag laws in the United States?
4: Well, for one thing, you know, um, I'm a part of the Animal Save movement as well as many of the other movements, and uh, in, in the Portland area, the slaughterhouse that's nearby across in Washington State across the border, uh, as activists, we have not been allowed, we have been not, not been able to bear witness. There's been a lot of um, police enforcement that is protecting the animal agriculture facilities, from uh, having to experience any impact, so they've actually done a lot of various unlawful things for uh, that's keeping us from being able to bear witness. And we also, like Jane said, we invite anybody on from the industry, agribusiness, from anywhere. And I personally invite anyone on from the area that I'm referring to in Washington where we try to bear witness. We would love to have a dialogue. We've tried to create like uh, bringing vegan food and um, you know, opening a dialogue with uh, law enforcement as well as the community members there, as well as the uh, slaughterhouse uh, people. And so far, they've had none of it. Well, to
1: me, what strikes me is the law of unintended consequences because this is a sign that your movement's getting somewhere. Yes. Our movement is getting somewhere. But when I say you're, I specifically refer to the SAVE movement, which began in Canada with Anita Krines, a PhD from Toronto, who's a student of Tolstoy and had a PhD, has a PhD in community organizing, giving water to a pig. She stumbled upon walking her dog, these pigs, going to slaughter, and she said, I'm going to give them water. They look like they're thirsty, and they look like they're um, suffering and in distress.
4: Doing what any compassionate person would want to (laughs) do. Compassion is not a crime. Yeah, and she was arrested. She was put on trial, but she was acquitted, and indeed,
1: her case uh, garnered global attention. I was there when the uh, charges were thrown out and she walked out to a scrum of media. Um, she It backfired. The attempt to uh, arrest her and put her on trial backfired on the industry. So do you think these, similar, this bill could backfire? You're getting a lot of publicity. Um, Camille, I, I read an article that, that actually a very mainstream news uh, outlet that was extremely it seemed like sympathetic and understanding of what the activists are saying about, hey, if there's horrific things going inside, don't criminalize the people trying to expose the horrors, Uh, do something about the horrors.
2: I think that's exactly right. Anytime you explain this to the public, and we're not talking just about vegans or people who consider themselves animal activists, but any compassionate person, who doesn't even think that much about animals, just intuitively feels that this is wrong, that society should be going after the people that abuse animals, not the people who try to uncover that concealed cruelty. And, you know, the way I think about it, my all-time favorite quote, the Gandhi quote, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. And we are solidly in the fighting stage. You make a really good point, Jane, that I think the reason we're seeing this reaction is that it's a backlash Against all of the progress that's been made by people like Anita Crimes, who put the meat industry on trial, people like Mercy for Animals undercover investigators, who've exposed just horrific cruelty in turkey facilities, chicken barns, a chicken slaughterhouse. Uh, there was a pig facility investigation. Um, people like Jenny, who revealed disturbing footage. Many many people are blowing or pulling back the curtain, and people are starting to see how the sausage is made, and they're not liking it, and that's why we're seeing this backlash.
1: Now, by the way, I urge everybody, if you see either one of us looking down, we're sharing this video. Mm -hmm. Let's share it out. I've shared it to my personal page. I shared it to Toronto Pig Save. I have shared it uh, to various places. So while we're talking, you guys can share it as well. Um, Camille and Jenny, just go to to my Facebook, facebook.com slash Jane Velez Mitchell, and just share the post uh, because we've got to get the word out there. And uh, so... Uh, let me ask you this. In terms of the law, obviously there's there's a legal challenge to this, right? Because you're arguing that it's completely unconstitutional. So where does that stand? You've got this one. Is, is it likely to pass this 156? And B, then what do you do to challenge uh, that in court? Because your argument, Jenny, is that it's unconstitutional, that to deprive people from standing on a street corner and uh, comforting pigs or giving water to pigs um, is depriving them of their right as citizens to help an animal in distress. Um, very much like you would be considered a hero if you helped a dog who was in distress, was starving, uh, excuse me, uh, super thirsty or suffering from hypothermia in the wintertime. So where does it
3: stand legally, Jenny? Well, you know, um I spoke to Anita Crines just last week. Uh, we were out at um, an emergency vigil for the pigs after the announcement of Bill 156. And she is basically adamant whatever happens, we will continue to bear witness to animals coming to slaughter. So whether that means financial ruin for activists, whether that means jail time for activists, we will, we will not be silenced and we will continue to speak up for animals. We're very certain about that.
1: Yeah, but I'm talking about into the um, legal arena of a court challenge to the constitutionality of this.
2: Maybe you can correct that, Camille. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm an animal rights lawyer. This is the kinds of issues that animal justice is very concerned about being a legally focused organization. And, uh, you know, what I can tell you is that this bill is still in the early stages in Ontario. The Alberta one has already passed, but the Ontario one is still in the early stages And the reaction right now from the public has not been good. Uh, Farmers like this bill, or at least some farmers do, but I'm hearing that that's not a universal sentiment and some farmers are saying that they have nothing to hide. So we'll see whether this bill passes. We're certainly going to be fighting against it with everything we have. I will expect to see food safety organizations, labor unions, other people who are interested with transparency, journalists for sure, coming on board to oppose the legislation. If it does pass... Go ahead, go ahead. If it does pass, to me, I'm very disturbed that it might violate Canadians' rights to free expression. We've got two situations where someone who applies for a job uh, is going to be forced to disclose that they might be a member of an animal rights group and will not get that job. And so the cruelty, sometimes illegal, that they might see would go uncovered, and that violates their freedom of expression. And then with respect to the Save Movement vigils, things happen on public property. What this bill says is that you can't, as a private citizen be on public property, interacting with animals who are also on public property. And again, that raises very serious constitutional concerns. So you can bet that this bill will undergo a legal challenge similar to what's happened in the United States where many coalitions of organizations get together and oppose this in court.
1: So uh, I know that uh, Anita Crines, when she was put on trial, hired two brilliant lawyers who then started bringing in all sorts of expert witnesses who were testifying about the intelligence of pigs who are far smarter than dogs and they they make nests and they're capable of uh, simple math. I mean, it was was an extraordinary, extraordinary trial because it literally showcased the animal rights movement. So what are we doing to prepare for the constitutional challenge?
2: Well, you made a point a minute ago, but the meat industry shooting itself in the foot. And I think that they've done this again. When the meat industry pushed for Anita Crimes to be prosecuted, that resulted in nearly a two year ordeal where every couple months they were back in court, facing more public scrutiny, being cross examined, and having these issues aired in the global media. And I think that's going to happen all over again with this egg gag law. That's exactly what happened in the States. The problem is they don't want to talk about what happens on farms, they want to hide the cruelty, they want to conceal it from public view. But any time they try to, the public rises up. So I think we've gotten to this point in society where people are just not going to sit back and accept this type of conduct.
4: And in fact, you know, Camille, you bring a good point in terms of Jenny. You were charged, was it last year, you know, for entering that pig breeding facility and then you were acquitted, surprisingly, and you actually publicly stated repeatedly you're actually, you know, the, the, the animal ag industry was uh, upset that you were acquitted, but you were also upset because you wanted it to go to trial. Do you want to say more about that? Exactly.
3: Uh, mine didn't even go to a full trial. The charges were dropped before I had the opportunity for a trial. And what I wanted to do was put animal agriculture on the stand, and I had the same two lawyers that Anita did, Gary Grill and uh, James Silver, and they would have done a stellar job in actually bringing forward to the Canadian public exactly what is happening inside these you know, beautiful white sheds in the countryside, I call them. The minute you step inside any, any random barn in the countryside, you will see…
4: Disgusting abuses of animals, cruel confinement. People can see that footage. It's been all over. Uh, I've watched all of it on your page. You can maybe tell us where we can see it. But if people go to where Jenny's going to point us, you can see Jenny and dozens of other activists are defying this proposed bill, Bill 156 in Ontario, uh, and going inside into this pig breeding facility, this, this recent one was in uh, Montreal, Quebec area, and yes. staying in civil disobedience until you get arrested and exposing. If any, like you said, Camille, even if you're not a vegan or an animal rights activist, any human being who looks at that would be horrified. Can you say more? Because this footage is incredible. It's peaceful and nonviolent.
3: Yes, we were inside um, in a pig breeding facility again, uh, near Montreal in Quebec, where there's no ag law um, on the table as yet. Uh, and we live-streamed from Direct Action Everywhere, (DXE) like three times. And then the police arrived. And the room we were in, um, there was farrowing crates, gestation crates. The police were horrified by what they saw. But still, they're having to uphold the law. They're having to uh, refuse us to give comfort to the pigs. They're having to take us away because we're trespassing. We're breaking the law. And at the same time, we're telling the police, anytime animals are being abused inside a building, you have the moral obligation to go in.
4: I want to ask you something about that. Your One of your big asks is that you wouldn't leave until uh, media was allowed in. What, what happened with that? Well, they just,
3: um, they basically laughed at us and said there's going to be no negotiation whatsoever. So that backfired on them because we were all arrested. Um, I took a radio interview from inside the facility while I was waiting to be arrested. And then when we get out, then the media are splashing it all over. (laughs) So, you know, it's a win for us. And again, it's real disappointing for the animal agriculture industry Because, again, they're on show.
1: Yes. All right. We're going to take a brief break on Voice America Radio, but we are staying live on Facebook. On the other side of the break, we're going to hear from callers. We're also going to talk a little bit more about what's happening in Canada with the media, with the public reaction to this draconian law that. Uh, the animal agriculture industry and the politicians who support the animal agriculture industry are trying to pass 156. Will it pass? Would it go all the way to what would be the equivalent of the U.S. Supreme Court in Canada? What's going to happen? Stay right there. We'll take a brief break, but we'll stay live on Facebook.
5: sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America.
3: Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance,
4: featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators, to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: Well, welcome back. We are on Voice America. Oh, honey, what happened? Okay, so did you see that? Um, My little Rico, he's my rescue from Puerto Rico. I picked him up and he just, yelped. So everybody's heart goes out, right? Oh, what happened to little Rico? And yet these pigs, these chickens, these cows are being brutalized in industrialized farming. And the reaction is you can't show it. And then as you said, Camille, Orwellian, the food protection, food safety. Can you elaborate a little bit on how they are um, spinning it? Spinning it, exactly.
2: Yeah, it's important to think about the way the government's communicating about this. So they've been going on this tour and meeting with farmers and having all these round tables. And when they introduced this bill, they said it's to address farmers' concerns about trespass and also food safety. Now that's, and so the security of these farms. And so it's so interesting because number one, there's already laws that say you can't trespass on farms. And as Jenny and many DxE activists No, you can be ticketed if you trespass on a farm, just like any other private property in this province. And second, they've never raised any credible concern about any biosecurity or food safety issue that's arisen from animal rights advocacy or from videos that expose this stuff. On the contrary, it tends to be videos from slaughterhouses or from farms that expose biosecurity's concerns in situations where very disturbing elements are getting into our food supply. Now, Toronto just had one of our major slaughterhouses, the Riding Regency slaughterhouse, have its license revoked from the federal regulators that inspect that slaughterhouse because they found E. coli inside it. And that slaughterhouse, uh, someone did get some footage from inside it with a camera about a year ago and exposed some abuse there too. So better transparency is better for the food system.
1: Well, you are such an articulate spokesperson for this. I would think you would be able to get uh, ACLU freedom of speech people, workers rights people, because look, we're all being factory farmed as Dr. Silas Rao says. Okay. We are all being uh, those who are in the system. The workers are oppressed. The animals are oppressed. And it also poses health concerns to humans. If there are things that are happening in those farms that are, um, you know, wildly unsanitary, for example. Uh, So where is a coalition building so that we get other um, organizations, other elements of society to join with you and say this is not just an outrage to animals, it's an outrage in general?
2: Well, that's exactly what's happening right now. And I can tell you from conversations that we've had with a variety of other organizations that there's a lot of concern about the implications of this legislation. It's not just animal rights activists who are concerned. We're also hearing from unions, from workers' organizations, from civil liberties groups, very much expressing the same concerns about the secrecy that happens behind these closed doors. And we just have to think back to Upton Sinclair's uh, novel, of course, that blew the whistle on America's slaughterhouses and stockyard system that prompted the modern food safety regime in the States without that kind of undercover investigation which is what upton sinclair did with the jungle that never would have happened and we'd be in a a much worse place today
1: all right we've got a caller rebecca texas your question or thought rebecca
2: go ahead okay thank you um i just wanted to thank you and jenny and i appreciate so much what you're doing and i too want to know how to get more media involved but particularly i was uh wondering about was she threatened was she hurt um She's seeing all this pain around her, but uh, do the, are the farmers uh, being kind to her or are they threatening?
1: Yeah, and again, for legal reasons, we're not going to get into any names, places. But uh, what was your what what happened when you went inside, Jenny?
3: Well, generally, we try to go inside when there's no one there. We are not targeting humans whatsoever. Um, we are nonviolent. We are peaceful. Um, I have actually experienced uh, a lot of violence, though. Recently, we were were in a dog dog sledding operation, um, and I was um, grabbed. I had a chain around my neck. I was grabbed, and I almost lost consciousness three times. Um, So they're using excessive force. Um, But generally, we try, and um, whatever we do, we do not target uh, humans. And I'd, I'd like to make a point, actually, that um, I feel that the workers uh, who are expected to work in these these awful places, they need a huge amount of protection too. Yeah. A lot of times, these are um, absolute fire hazards within and electrical hazards within. I've reported to the Fire Safety Authority. i report reported to the Electrical Safety Authority. And interestingly, with Anita's trial, the air quote farmer who was on the stand. Um, I think it was just earlier this year or last year, his whole barn went up in flames oh and all the animals just like
4: burnt alive. Well, um, <sighs> can I read this? Yeah, from of course. Of course. Um, thank you, Jenny. Uh, yeah. And I've actually watched the footage where you're pointing out, uh, you know, some of the, the really frightening hazards. And again, all of us really, really, um, sympathetic with the plight of the workers, that it's a, humans, a human rights issue as well. Um, so here's Peter's statement in response to what's happening. Um, in the 21st century, ag-gag bills such as Ontario Bill 156 and Alberta Bill 27 have become the latest desperate attempt by agriculture industry bullies to protect themselves from public scrutiny, conceal the crime of animal abuse, and prevent consumers learning the truth about the way animals and the meat and dairy industries live and die. PETA has fought similar legis- legislation across the United States, and 19 states saw how dangerous ag laws were and rejected them. Ontario and Alberta should be ashamed that they have so much to hide, even from their own citizens.
1: So, yeah, Camille, uh, address that that reaction.
4: Well, it's
2: very well put, and I really admire PETA, the Animal Legal Defense Fund, all the other U.S. organizations, the society of the United States that fought so hard to stop those bills from passing in the 19 states that they managed to get them kicked out. Uh, and those organizations have also gone to court and they fought legal battles over the bills when they did pass. And we've already seen now Utah, Idaho, and Iowa struck those bills down in court because they said that's an unconstitutional violation of people's free speech. So, you know, what's unfortunate to me about this situation is we've got a government in Ontario and Alberta that seems totally willing to waste taxpayers' dollars on more costly legal battles that are doomed to lose. But, you know, whether they go ahead with it or not, ultimately, the public knows that they're doing this because they have something to hide.
4: And it's very brazen that they're going for Ontario because, like you you both have pointed out, Ontario and and British Columbia are... are known to be liberal and progressive alberta not so much so the fact that they've done that and i've heard it, you can address this that some of it is also a reaction well a lot of it to the to the save movement and because anita what did get acquitted if this bill passes in ontario she it would be likely a very different uh, scenario do you want to address that yeah, yeah, that's right. So I think part of what's motivating some of the farmers to be pushing for this
2: legislation is that they were so upset that Anita was acquitted. And the reason she was acquitted is obvious to all of us, because compassion is not a crime. So they're trying to make something into a crime that shouldn't be, something into an offense anyway. Uh, they're saying not only can you not stop slaughter trucks or approach the animals or interact with them, but you can't give them anything either. So that means citizens can't alleviate the suffering of hot animals on a sweltering day. Now,
1: we've got another caller, Keegan from Pennsylvania. Your question or thought, Keegan. Hi, Keegan.
2: Hey, Jane. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I appreciate all the things that you guys do. Uh, I just had a quick question for Jenny. Um, As a fellow animal rights activist, I'm just curious, like, how can other people get involved? Like, is there a petition that we can sign or some sort of video that we should share? I was just curious.
3: Yes, um, we have a petition right now, which is, uh, well, there's a few petitions. We, we would like an animal bill of rights introduced in Canada and in all countries. <laughs> um, but also um, there are petitions to sign against Bill 156 that the SAVE movement has put together. Um, animal justice has put together a, uh, a tool where you can write to legislative um, authority And also Peter has put uh, a petition together. So there's quite a few petitions being produced now against this legislation and in support of an animal bill of rights uh, called Rose's Law. Mm -hmm. And getting more involved, um, I would suggest that for sure, search out um, a chapter of the animal safe movement near you or create one and also direct action everywhere. Search out a chapter and those two organisations will point you in the right direction towards getting more involved.
1: Let's talk about getting more involved. You know, one of the reasons I think this is happening is the SAVE movement, which started, I don't know, a few years ago, has exploded globally. Thank you, Keegan, appreciate your call. It's exploded globally. So you started with one woman, maybe her friend and her dog giving water to a pig uh, in a slaughter truck at a street corner in Toronto. And now more than 600 vigils occur outside slaughterhouses. Around the world. Uh, So you have vigils in Europe, across Europe. You have vigils in Canada. You have vigils in the United States. You have vigils in Latin America. You have vigils. South Africa. Yeah. In South Africa, you have vigils in uh, Asia. Reykjavik, Iceland. Yes. So Mm -hmm. um, I think that the the success of the SAVE movement is one of the reasons why this is happening, because they're very threatened by it. And, of course, there was just a pig vigil here in Los Angeles in downtown L.A. uh, last night. And then there's going to be one on Wednesday. These happen a couple of times a week, and there's a chicken vigil. And it's basically, explain, Jenny, for those who don't know what a vigil is, and you are involved very much in the SAVE movement, how it's grown.
3: Absolutely. I think it's essential for people to go and witness animals firsthand when you make eye contact with animals. an animal, it's life-changing. It's just not like watching a video. I mean, you, you can see videos and you don't get that feeling. Uh, when you actually go and witness animals arriving at the slaughterhouse, then, you know, your senses are actually assaulted. You see the state that they arrive in. You, you smell um, the conditions that they have to endure, like the pigs have got very sensitive noses. Um, you see how they're being jostled around in the trucks. You feel the temperature. In whatever country, um, in Canada we have huge extremes. We have boiling hot summers where they're panting for their life, where they're it's dying awesome of the mouth. Right. And in the winters that they're, they're freezing against the sides of the truck. So you These actually are st-
1: open air trucks. Right. And I, I remember, you know, here I live in L.A. and we're here in L.A. and, and uh, I was walking my dog and I ran into another woman who was walking her dog as a neighbor. And I and she said, oh, I feel so sorry. This was last winter for all the people suffering in these this cold, bitter, cold snap. And I said, yeah. And imagine the pigs in open air trucks a freezing to death going into hypothermia and literally freezing to the side of the trucks as they're being shipped to the slaughterhouses and with that she just turned on her heels and walked away they you it's know a there's a disconnect people don't want they consider themselves animal lovers in quotes just like these people who run these warehouses are farmers in air quotes but
4: they Plausible deniability—that's what it's all about. And they I don't want to know. And they can also take it like be, if you care. It's not a zero-sum game. If you care about what's also happening to other living beings, that somehow you're you're not caring about what's happening to fellow humans. We're all I, earthlings. We're non. We're right. We're animals, and they're non-human animals. Yeah, Jenny. I say that all the time.
3: People say, "What about the children?" And I say, "You know what? There's room in our hearts to care." For humans and animals. I mean, I donate to children's charities as well. I, I, I give money to people on the street. I give them a
4: smile. You know, I acknowledge people on the streets. It's and about I- being it's about being a voice for those who are more vulnerable than us, whether exactly. they're houseless, whether they're children without voting rights or a voice. Animals, there's so many. Sorry, honey. There's so many, and it's it's not an either-or. There's room in our hearts for all of us. We're just asking people to expand their circle of compassion to include animals. Now, Camille, exactly. I
1: want to ask you a question. Aren't there laws that also say if you see animal cruelty that you're allowed to do something to stop it? Um, so, oh, there's a little kitty cat. But <laughs> can you address that? Because, I mean, Roger. don't you have a legal argument that – Hey, if an animal, because that's one of the basis of the open rescue mission uh, campaigns here in the United States, is they're Rose's saying is law. there are laws that say if an animal's in distress, you can uh, save that animal. Um, and and you know the obvious example is that if there's a dog trapped in a hot car and he's dying, I think there's new laws in certain jurisdictions that say you can you can knock that you can. There are certain people who can get in there and get that dog out. But on a larger scale, are there any laws that you can argue in court, protect your right to go and rescue animals who are in horrific distress, living in their own feces, cannibalizing each other, et cetera?
2: Well, I'm glad you asked that, Jane. It's an important question. And unfortunately, in Ontario and Canada, the answer is that there's no obvious. Uh, legal tool that lets people rescue animals, even if they're in the most extreme distress that you can imagine. But one thing that is really interesting about this situation is that Ontario actually just passed some pretty decent new animal protection legislation. It has nothing to do with farms because farmed animals are exempted largely. But one thing in that new legislation is that they're going to let some people, it's not clear who yet because they're going to tell us what the rules are, but some people are going to be able to rescue animals from motor vehicles. Now, I, I kind of doubt they're going to give a green light to all the save activists to do so, but it's recognition that animals, when they're experiencing distress, deserve rescue, and the people who break a window to get them out shouldn't face legal sanctions. But it brings up another really important point that I think often gets missed, is that people assume, hey, we've got firms, so someone's regulating them, someone's watching them, someone's inspecting them. And I just want to make it very clear that that's not the case at all. There's no laws protecting animals on farms with standards or regulations like how much space, sunlight, fresh air, social opportunities, nothing like that. And the government doesn't monitor or oversee firms with respect to animal welfare. So I think that's what's especially disturbing about this whole situation is it's another layer of secrecy on top of what's already a terrible, opaque system.
1: Well, as Charles Dickens says, it's the best of times, it's the worst of times. Uh, You know, while people are going plant-based in huge numbers, while people are going to plant-based milks and the dairy industry is collapsing, and we're also involved in helping farmers transition, we're not anti-farmer, where the small farmers are being wiped out and exploited, and it's the big industrial complexes that are getting a lot of the bailouts here in the United States. But- uh, while that, all of that is happening, at the same time, uh, you have very negative things happening like high speed slaughter in the United States. They're going to start, uh, unless we stop it, and I did everything, you know, I mean, I've been calling my senator, call U.S. senators, calling my members of Congress to say, do not allow high speed slaughter to occur. They're going to allow the pig industry to regulate itself and slaughter as many as they want, and these animals are going to be sliced up alive, it is beyond comprehension morally bankrupt, and when a society gets to that level of moral bankruptcy, bad things happen, not just to the pigs, but to society in general. This is um, really uh, just such a, a horrific stain on our society, and the idea that they're just going to say, yeah, the industry can regulate itself and you can kill, and they're already killing them at a high rate of speed. It's now it's going to be, it's going to be just this bloodbath, no carnage, a horror movie scene. And of course the workers get traumatized. They get alcoholism, drug addiction, domestic it's violence, uh, everything. And, and, you know, the, the karmic cost of, of participating in buying that product, there is a price to pay. There is a price to pay. And, of course, climate change is the price we're all going to pay. That's the other factor is that animal agriculture is the – there's a new white paper that argues it's the leading cause of uh, greenhouse gases. And that that white paper is available at climatehealers.org. You can read it. There are citations for every single – sentence and the the author of it Dr. Silas Rao is willing to debate anyone at any time it is being currently peer reviewed it will be published and so that's the price we're going to pay you know people who look at you and say uh, I don't want to know what you're doing leave me alone I'm going to eat my you know barbecue
4: and then one out of every four people dies of a heart attack. So, and then the climate refugee crisis. Yeah, we have there's a, about yeah, we uh, have about 63 million already displaced peoples, and uh, it's estimated to be in the hundreds of millions. And if ag- animal agriculture is the leading cause, people people are saying it's one of the leading causes. But like Jane says, if you look at Dr. Silas Rau's white papers, he's saying it's the leading cause. So we're looking at. Uh, uh, impacts that boggles the mind.
3: Yeah, and the other thing is antibiotic use, superbugs being introduced into the human population. Um, There's open cesspits around the pig breeding facilities that I was around, and there's turkey vultures swooping down and eating from the cesspits,
4: dropping that all over the countryside. So I mean, follow the money they don't want because of people of you, Jenny, activists like you leading the way you are showing us what's in what they don't want us to see. Because if 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 we see it, nobody's going to say yes to that. Follow the money.
1: All right. So we are going to take another break on Voice America Radio, but we're going to be back. We're going to stay live on Facebook. Please share this out. I, I hope you've been able to share it out to your animal justice Facebook page, as well as. Uh, some of the Save Movement pages and we're sharing it out to our pages and everybody watching and listening, uh, share it out to their pages. Uh, it's at facebook.com slash Jane Mitchell. If you're listening and um, you know, we, we, we want people to hear this information so they can make informed choices. So we're going to take a brief break. We're going to be back for our final segment in just
5: a moment. <laughs> It will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow,
3: we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine five. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back. What we
0: are talking
1: about is this Bill 156 in Ontario, Canada. It's uh, very similar to the ag-gag laws here in the United States that criminalize undercover investigations. But this one goes further, even trying to criminalize bearing witness at the slaughterhouses. And now there are at least 600 and growing every day, slaughterhouse vigils around the world. So this all started in Toronto with Anita crines and Jenny McQueen is her right-hand um, activist person. And so what I'm seeing now, right here, is major news coverage. And I'll just read a little bit, CTV, which is huge, animal activists occupy a pig farm and are arrested And it says here, 11 animal rights activists in the group Direct Action Everywhere, occupied a pig breeding facility demanding full access inside the agribusiness operation, a meeting with Quebec Premier Francois Legault to discuss animal rights. The activists entered at 4 a.m., live-streamed their occupation on Facebook. And uh, DXC activist Jenny McQueen narrates the video and points out the conditions for the animals in the enclosures the mother. This is quoting you. The mother pig is on her side. She has a huge abscess on her teats. We are demanding that the media come and film the conditions. So uh, the video records small enclosures, windowless rooms. The activist claims the pig show signs of illness. They are adult pigs. They know their plight. They know how miserable their conditions are, said McQueen. So that is a major coverage. What is your reaction, Jenny, to getting that coverage and how big is CTV? Like, give us a sense of how big this is.
3: Yeah, CTV is one of the major uh, news outlets in Canada, so uh, I, am, I am really pleased that they would cover this story. Um, and in a way, because we're live streaming, we take photographs in a way, um, even though the police didn't allow media to come inside, they pretty much are inside with us because they're sharing our resources.
1: Yes. And I see that it says posted by Jenny McQueen and it's right there on CTV. There is the video right there. That yes. is the video that you shot live streamed and they took it. Yes. And so, you know, what's happening is the technology is evolving so quickly that it's not a question of just, you can't, that's, I think that is the real reason why they want to prevent anybody getting inside because once you're in uh the gigs up in terms of keeping these conditions private.
3: Exactly. And the fact that we have our iPhones with us, our phones, we are geolocated, located um, we speak on the videos. No one can say that we took this footage from another country, you know, a less civilized country. Uh, we have footage like that coming out of Canada, from the United States, from the UK. And I think now that social media is upon us, we are all sharing this. We are all connected and we're, we're spreading the word to, to the public.
1: Well, one of the things that I wanted to ask Camille is there's two arguments that people, that the industry makes anytime one of these horrific videos is uncovered. One, oh, we're heartbroken. We, we feel terrible. These workers have been terminated and often the low-level workers are criminally charged. When, indeed, there's an argument to be made that if they didn't do the terrible things that they're charged with, they'd be fired. And that the see no evil, hear no evil folks in the industry, you know, they're basically throwing them under the bus, the the low-level workers. And the other thing they say is these videos have been edited to make them look totally horrific. Well, A, live stream is not edited. It's live. And uh, so those are two of the major arguments that are made by the industry. What are your thoughts on that, Camille?
2: Oh, well, it's really predictable. Anytime an investigation comes out, they always say those two things. So it's first the bad apple and second, the misleading footage. And the bad apple argument is really troubling to me because it's those industries themselves that create the conditions for this suffering and this abuse to flourish. I don't think we can ever put the blame on the feet of the workers who themselves are victims of abuses of the farming industry. They make terrible money. They're put in these horrible situations where they're forced to desensitize themselves to what suffering the animals are during, all so they can scrape together a few dollars to make a living. So I find it really disturbing when the industry tries to pass off its problems on the people who are just trying to survive and get by. And it should, in my view, be the industries that are prosecuted and never the low-level workers. And uh, of course, they always try to claim that the footage is somehow misleading, but the camera evidence doesn't lie. Uh, they've never pointed to any credible instance where they've refuted evidence gathered by photographs or videos taken in farms, where they've had a better angle on the surveillance camera, for instance, and captured the truth. That's just never happened to my knowledge. So I think the public mostly sees that for what it is, which is industry spin trying to cover up uh, their own abuses and something that is solidly their fault.
4: That's well said. And, you know, you also brought up another point that I think is important about, uh, Jane, I think brought it up, is that uh, a lot of times people will say, oh, that's not, the, this footage isn't in Canada. Canada is too civilized, or this isn't United States, or this isn't Brazil, or this isn't Israel, or this isn't Europe. It, it's industry standard. Follow the money. That when we're commodifying other beings we're, we're, for our benefit and our profit, and our preference, then you're go. The cognitive dissonance is that oh, we don't do that here. That's somebody else. We're civilized, and I think that um, what's starting to be seen is because of social media, it's we're able to see people, regular people, are going in. Citizens who are concerned are going into places where there's violence and unjust cr- cruelty and unjust treatment. Of anybody uh, and showing it. And I think this is a game changer. We're at a crossroads. Wouldn't everybody agree? We're at a crossroads that people have to decide. Governments have to decide. People have to decide. Are we going to support the the cruelty toward the animals or the or the fact that these activists are breaking the law? Ag gag.
2: Yeah, I think that's really well said, Danny. That's absolutely right. You know, in Canada, before undercover investigations and footage became common here, back in the pre twenty twelve days before Mercy for Animals started doing them here, uh, the response was always from Canadians. If you talked about abuses on farms, is oh that happens in the states. That's not a Canadian thing. We're too polite and too nice up here. But now there's just no denying it. I mean, the Jenny was in a pig farm last weekend, where the animals were covered in their mud and their own feces and just living in the most appalling conditions. And that's just one example out of dozens now. There's no more denying.
1: Now, as we approach 2020, what do you see for Canada and the animal rights movement and the vegan movement? Because obviously, you're fighting the injustice of what's happening on these factory farms. The alternative is eat plants. Mm -hmm. Eat plant-based meat alternatives. They have fake pork. They have fake you know, we just had a holiday um,
4: contributors party here last night. We had corn beef, oh my plant god, plant based corn beef. We yeah. had plant based sausage. We had plant based burgers. Everything. Bolognese. Bolognese. Uh, yeah, Ooh. we
1: had we had ground based cheese. We had plant based ground beef. Everything. I mean, and everything was eaten up. I was like, "There's no way everybody's going to eat this food." And cake and ice everything cream. Everything was eaten down to the last grain. So Every where, do see, yeah, uh, where do you, you see, yeah, where do you see the movement going? Because, yes, while you're fighting these injustices, there's this, this huge plant-based movement. I know that McDonald's is testing
3: a vegan burger in Ontario, Canada. How's that going? That's, that's going really well. Um, it's being tested in a few cities in Ontario, and I actually visited one of the cities. And uh, with Anita, with the, the SAVE movements, we bought 50. And we stood outside, and we offered the public, and um, they didn't know the difference. And it's it's fast food; it's not the best, but it's certainly healthier than the what animals.
4: people are eating. Yeah, right. it's it's I, I you
1: know dispute the notion that oh, this is just as bad as meat. No, it's cholesterol free. Processed meat is officially cancer causing, and uh, it's plants, and yeah, they're processed together into a little patty but that doesn't make it unhealthy Um, and
4: meet them where they are for those folks who are going to be eating fast food just switch over to this in the meantime we we need to do whole foods plant-based and educate how
1: much publicity is the ontario test getting and what do you think is going to happen come 2020 and either one camille or jenny
2: well, what we know about A&W, which was one of one of our major burger chains, is that last year, when it brought in the Beyond Burger, its profit soared in the subsequent quarter. It's a profitable thing to be offering plant-based options. It's not just vegans and vegetarians who are going for them. It's meat reducers. It's the general public that wants to try. A&W, and I just tried this uh, last week or the week before, introduced plant-based chicken nuggets for the first time, which is a huge thing because, as I'm sure we all know, but your listeners or viewers might not, Chickens are the most abused animal in our food system. You have to kill so many more of them to get the same amount of meat as you would from one cow. So they are by uh, by far the most abused and, and suffering group of individuals. So it's fantastic that we're seeing plant-based chicken on the market too.
1: Yeah, and similar thing happened with Kentucky Fried Chicken testing. But are, are, is there news media reports in Canada about this uh, McDonald's test in Ontario? Where they Where do they see? Do they think it's going to roll out?
3: We certainly wow. hope so. We, we had the opportunity to speak to the Director of Operations at McDonald's when we were there in London, Ontario. Um, and he said, yeah, let us do the promotion. And I, would, I really wish there was more promotion. I'm disappointed, to be honest, at the amount of news coverage I, I see about this in mainstream media. Um, KFC, which is another huge organization, just released um, a plant-based... Um, chicken nugget as well. And they did a test. They did a one-day test in one city in Ontario, which was sold out, of course, in, in a few hours. So now,
1: We're at the end, I want to say, uh, everybody go out and support the, uh, the vegan burger at McDonald's in the Ontario area. And for those who say, well, because occasionally you do get blowback from purists, it's as Ingrid Newkirk of Vita says, what will reduce the most suffering? What yeah. and obviously the most iconic fast food chain in the world that serves billions and billions and billions of people meet having a plant-based alternative. It's successful. It could save billions, literally billions of cows. So please um, think about that and, and support it. You can get it without uh, the mayo or whatever, and you can have it veganized and we brought our own mayo and cheese yeah exactly (laughs) plant-based cheese and hand it out to people you know do whatever you can because if it goes well in Ontario it'll spread to the rest of the United States and Canada and the world and and that will be the tipping point my personal prediction my McDonald's offers a good tasty beyond meat it's fabulous vegan burger um, and I Burger
4: think, King with its
1: impossible yeah, whopper yeah they are Burger King already jumped the scoop them but now it's time for McDonald's yeah so I, I urge everybody who's watching in the Ontario area to support that think think big picture all right we're
4: 30 seconds we're we're wrapping it up I want to say one thing I want to acknowledge Louise Jorgensen because this uh, what happened she's uh, she has had a uh, one of the heads of uh, organizers of Toronto cowcipe she is one of the lead people who was able to get and Jenny you can give me the wording. Uh, that sla- the slaughterhouse to st- to mm. shut down, and yeah, can so you just say something about that? Yeah, any- Loui- Louise
3: is uh, a massive organizer with the Save Movement. Every week, um, she makes sure the vigils happen. Um, she
4: got them shut down. Do you want to just say that again?
3: Yes, and absolutely.
4: Yeah.
3: absolutely. Because um, well, it's the CFIA as well. I mean, going in and uh, making you know investigations. But as well, um, sometimes we have inside sources at these slaughterhouses. And Louise is um, like a key person who will actually speak to the workers on a one to one basis and and speak to them with respect and build relationships.
4: So, success. It was huge success. Thank you.
1: All right. Well, that's all the time we have. I want to thank Camille Lubchuk. Wow. Mm -hmm. What an incredible spokeswoman you are. I see you all over. Not only Canadian, but U.S. media. Thank you, uh, and thank you, of thank course, Jamie McQueen, amazing hero, and of course, we always thank Anita good Krines, time. the founder of the Save Movement, my hero, and the amazing Danny Rukin, the daring vegan. I'm Jane Velez Mitchell. This is our mascot, Little Rico, our rescue from Puerto Rico. Thank we'll you. see you next time, and thanks to Voice America Radio for allowing us to have these conversations. Executive uh-huh. producer Tacy Trump, as well as a rod in the control room. Have a good one